the world is changing fast. What does financial clairvoyance, marketing, and personal development have to do with it? You see, as we move deeper into the information age, money is now being transferred for monetized information. If you're solving problems, then you have a story, and chances are, with the right marketing system, your journey is worth gold. But why is it that some succeed at the money game while others fail to even get one piece on the checkerboard? This podcast will challenge the old mentality that all you need is luck to make it. How come there are people who were barely making ends meet, yet they manage to become millionaires? What makes them different from others who earn four to seven figures but manage to stay broke? There is a wave coming. You can either ride it or be crushed by it. Follow this podcast and find out out the truth about how your financial genes either shackle or accelerate your path to success and how your past matters when it comes to your financial future. This is Herman Gore and welcome to Wealth Genes Radio. Let's, let's, just, let's just hop into it. I'm really happy that, okay. you, that you had time and uh, to join and count. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yes. And um, just introduce yourself. Let's just, just tell me a little bit um, about yourself and, and, and what you're currently doing. Okay. So uh, my name is Joanne uh, Morales Pfeiffer. Um, I am currently um, an entrepreneur and inventor. Um, I have a couple of, uh, products that I'm working on. I actually, um, have a really famous mentor. His name is Damon John. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's, uh, the FUBU creator. He's on shark tank. Um, I met him actually, this is a funny story. I met him working in times square at the red lobster there. So, um, he actually, uh, when he was getting FUBU off the ground, he, um, worked at Red Lobster. So he came in with the shark group and they had a, a dinner there and a meeting in uh, our private boardroom. And uh, one of the ser- the servers at the time that was serving him came out and she approached me and because she knew like uh, what my passion was with uh, my entrepreneurial pursuits and things like that. So she told me he was there. And so I proceeded to write an elevator pitch on my serving pad and because I didn't want to disturb his dinner. And uh, so I went into the boardroom and I said, excuse me, Mr. John, um, I'm an inventor and entrepreneur. I don't mean to disturb your dinner, but I would really like to just give you this. And I slid the elevator pitch over to him and then I just left the room. Well, an hour and a half passed and I didn't think too much about it. Of course, there was a lot of excitement going on in the restaurant and everything. And um, so the server about an hour and a half later, she came up to me and she said, Damon John wants to talk to you. So um, I proceeded to go into the boardroom and uh, everyone in this party was standing up. They were saying their, their goodbyes and everything. And uh, he turned and he said, you know, he introduced himself and then he proceeded to introduce me to one of his colleagues. Her name is Sherry Collins, and uh, she's his speaking manager. So she, uh, uh, so we did the introductions, and she said, um, "Damon John loved your elevator pitch. He loves your idea. He would like to offer you a mentorship program with him and Shark, the Shark Group." So of course, she gave me her card, and uh, she said you know, this was on a Friday night. She said, call me first thing Monday morning and um, we'll get you set up with the process of doing um, the mentorship program, which is a virtual platform that he created called Damon On Demand. And uh, that's what I did, you know, all throughout the weekend. I was so excited. And of course, like uh, he's been a big inspiration in my life because we can't, we had the same alma mater, you know, he went to uh Parsons School of Design like I did. He worked at uh, Red Lobster like I did. And he's just been a great inspiration of um, how he just had all of this passion with no money. And he just kept pursuing his dream and just grinding it out until eventually like he became where he was today. It's very inspirational story. So um, I was very fortunate um, 
I was a very fortunate. It's, they call it being at the right place at the right time. But to tell you a little backstory on it, um, I had been practicing something called the laws of attraction for some time. Um, in 2003, I had something called the Kundalini awakening. Now, I don't know if anybody is really familiar with what this is, but it's, uh, it's a spiritual, um, uh, phenomenon that happens to you through meditation, uh, extreme meditation. I was cultivating a form of, uh, uh, kind of like Zen, it's called The Course in Miracles. Um, it's a book, it has a textbook and a workbook and then 365 meditations that you do every day. So basically what it is, is as you're doing these meditations, you're doing also visualization, you're doing auto-suggestion and things of that nature. So it's basically um, just a form of bringing up this, this uh, what they call the oil of the lamp right so you have all of these secretions that are at the spine and as you're doing meditations and as you're abstaining from certain things whether it's uh meat animal products um sexual intercourse um and you're just getting your temple really pure and healthy and what happens is you have this mystical experience called the kundalini awakening so after my kundalini awakening um it changed my life. I started researching all of these. Uh, I got fascinated with world religions, right? So I started studying like Taoism, Buddhism, Hinduism, syncretism, uh, uh, as above, so below, uh, astrotheology. And I became really fascinated with the laws of attraction, quantum physics, quantum mechanics, epigenetics. And um, so it led me to this book called The Secret. I don't know if uh, everybody should be familiar with it by now. It's, uh, it's a very famous book by Rhonda Byrne. And it basically tells you that um, if you ask something of the universe and you believe it, you'll receive it. And it's just like, the, it's a very in simple terms, the layman's terms of quantum theory and how you can use these laws of attraction to manifest things in your life. So that was the, the basic fundamental teachings that I learned at first. And then um, to go deep dive deeper into it, it led me to all of these great te teachers on mysticism, like Bob Proctor, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, Lisa Nichols, uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith. And so um, I started researching uh, different types of books because as I became aware of um, all the convergence of truths in the universe, like all the religions that I was reading, they all said the same thing to me. Do good, be good. Um, believe that uh, you are an heir of God and co-heir with Christ. And if that's what you believe in, but there's different things like there's uh, different teachers as well. Obviously there's um, in, instead of, you know, you can do research on, uh, the Torah or Buddha or, you know, different for me, it was like Jesus. And to me, he was the greatest manifester. So the book of the Bible, you know, I wasn't too interested in the old Testament and this angry God. I was more interested in this, uh, this, um, divinity of within, right. And that the universe is always abundant. And, um, it was, uh, it's kind of like um, it is my inheritance to be abundant, like everything in nature. Right. So I started studying not only the Bible, it led me to start start studying different things. And that led me to um, sorry, one second. That led me to learning about my indigenous roots. So then I started really researching things about um, what the meaning of, I guess, the meaning of life and what that all was about. It brought me to um, learning about the Hopi Indians and the four basic tribes in the beginning, right? So there's, there's the, there's an, there's something called the Taponi tablets. Okay. There are these supposed to be the, these old tablets dating back even before the Bible. So on these 
tablets in Native American culture, what it says is that there were four races. There was the black race, the white race, the yellow race, and the brown race, right? So each, each of the four races were told to go into different directions with these different Taponi tablets. So for the white race, they were sent off into this indigenous tribe in Switzerland, and they were supposed to be the keepers of the fire. Okay, so after a time, they were supposed to come back in this Native American prophecies and come back and, and tell all the world what they had learned about fire. And that's, you know, that's why you see a lot of um, everything to do with, uh, I don't know, the atomic bombs and anything to do with fire comes out of that basic region of the world, like Switzerland. So, and the black race was given a 20 tablet and they were supposed to be the keepers of water. And they were given to an indigenous race at the, bo the bottom of uh, the Mount Kenya mountains. And after a time, they were, that's Africa, right? So they were supposed to be come back and tell everything they learned about water. And the Hopi, which is the brown race, they were, they were the keepers of the earth. And they were supposed to come back after a time and tell everything they had learned about the earth. The yellow race are the Tibetans, okay? And they were supposed to come back after a time and tell, tell people everything they learned about the breath. And that's why, you know, everything about the breath and Buddhism, that's what, you know, where that kind of originates from. So it was a really interesting journey that I went through. Uh, so that was my big journey before I came back into searching through all these things. And I think it was just giving me a clear understanding about who I was and where we were as a society. Okay. And what it was leading us back to out of materialism and back to nature. Right. So, um, that oh. saying, go ahead. Yeah, that's that's didn't want to cut you off. Just wanted okay. to um, get for for the listeners over here who, who who are following this. This is a really great journey you had, and and you really set set the stage in a very interesting way, um, where basically you you were encountered with this incredible opportunity. All right, and right. the gist of it, I'm just going to summarize it: is that you had a side character which was the person working with you there who told you that um damon john is there and you basically took the opportunity now i can imagine that a lot of stuff was going through your through your head and um that's also part of the the questionnaire i sent you because um you know when when life hands you an opportunity how do you react so I, I would find it interesting to hear from you what what really went through your mind in that moment when damon john was there and you had the opportunity because i'm very sure within the duality of things that you knew this was an opportunity but tell me a bit about that other voice that we well, all have inside of us that little nagging well, second voice was it there or or um did you do you by now have a way of silencing it well when the opportunity came it was almost like i expected it right because i had been doing this these visualizations and i had been asking the universe for a mentor i'd been practicing these uh techniques that i had learned through all of these great teachers that I talked to about, like Bob Proctor, Bob Proctor and Millionaire Mind and Joe Dispenza. And actually, um, there's a really great book that I read, The Secret, uh, I mean, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. So there was a lot of great techniques that I had used beforehand. So it wasn't just that the opportunity manifested itself. I had manifested the opportunity All by right. utilizing. So there was these no, techniques. there was no doubt in your mind no. in that moment. You were totally no. aware, and that's that's really a great thing. And that's a concept I try to speak about with people. I um, here's a little back background to to 
to those who don't know how financial um, genes radio started, see what I what I've been doing here in Germany was I had a program called the Business Builder. And basically what I would do was was help entrepreneurs um, create a offer um, and build the marketing around that so that they could uh, go online with it. And in the case of one of my clients that I was working with, it was a a a course. Um, this this lady before COVID hit, she had turned her downstairs room, her space down there in the house into a kind of nursery, not a nursery room, but a, a kindergarten, so to speak. And it was it was packed with like 10 to 15 mothers every day, you know? And um, she was doing really good with that. She was actually selling it out. Um, and the mothers loved coming because they came with their kids and she would really take care of those kids. She would play music. She would read little self-made stories to them, but the main reason they came was because she also tended to them and their needs in a, you could call it in a, in a personal way or psychological way. So it was basically the moms wanting to be around her really coming back with the kids. But then unfortunately COVID hit and that whole project fell apart. And when I, started speaking with her when when she came to me it was basically on the point where she was like yeah um i had this really awesome dream and i i had to give it up and now i'm you know thinking about doing something else and i suggested why don't you just pick it up and turn it into something where you can offer the same because basically the reason the moms came wasn't just because of the kids it was because of that extra that you were giving them and 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 the stuff you were helping them process and i said why don't you just create a a message and a course around that so she was really excited and we started doing that and as we came to the part of the program where we had laid out i had basically helped her create the whole training um, all the scripts she needed and the entire framework and now we came to the point where she just had to start recording her her assets, you know, everything that she needed in place so that um, I could put it onto the website and we could start building out her sales funnel. And I remember in that call telling her, okay, you've made it to this point. So what's coming up next is you getting in front of the camera. And I remember how her face suddenly changed her expression. I had never seen that expression um, with her anymore. I don't know if it was a serious um, face expression or it was just different. And she asked me, isn't there another way? And I said, actually not, because, you know, this is the point you've created all this stuff with the purpose of, you know, selling a course. So in the nature of it, you'll have to get in front of the camera. And she became very evasive after that. And her, she started swallowing, she started breathing weirdly. And then I, I thought, you know what? I didn't want to force her to anything, but I thought there's more in the bush. And I just started speaking to her and asking her, hey, um, you know, do you have a thing? Have you ever recorded anything? And she started telling me about the time when she had this opportunity. She was on the stage with um, Germany, one of Germany's and the world's. His name is Bodo Schaefer. I don't know if anyone knows him in other countries, but in German and Russian and, and countries like that, he's quite the, um, he's like the German rich dad, poor dad kind, kind of okay. guy. And um, she had the opportunity of being with him live. And after a breakout afterwards, he asked her some questions and said, you know what? I really like your energy. You're quite lively and stuff. Would you like to record a testimonial for me? And she's like, yeah. And that's the first time she froze up and she didn't know why. Mm -hmm. So we started going in into it. And I just asked, we spoke about her past and it, it, you know, what came out was that she grew up in Romania. Romania back then was a, a, a communist ruled country. And growing up, she was always taught to never be herself in a certain way. Like 
they weren't even like the most like you were speaking about the, the Bible just now. And in her world, the Bible was a book having it. You you were picked up like there were days when she would look out of the window and, and like in movies, you would see like the neighbors being being picked up and brought away, you know, and the parents were like, you know, like everybody knew what's going on. Um, right. So that was like a trauma. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and for her, she was accustomed to being this other person, but she never liked that system. But she grew so accustomed to playing the role that fast forward when it came to recording the videos, she was confronted with her past mentality, right. you know, right. and that like it, didn't just create a mental reaction. It created like a whole physical, physiological. Yeah. Now we're going to get into epigenetics. Right. Right. And and that's what happened to her. And in in because I was like, OK, I have to help her somehow. So what I did was in the process of that, um, through looking at what she had and she became aware of it, she was like, wow, you know, until today and us speaking about it, I was never aware that I had that problem and that it was linked to that. You see, because I have a certain interest for human nature and over time I've been, I've become very, you know, very, um, susceptible or um interested in not just interested but i have a filigree touch for when people speak to me um i see patterns i see certain things like there that some of them aren't aware and in this case i didn't know it it helped me put one and one together which helped her disassociate from that past background and fast forward I, a week later i had given her a um the the task of recording something and she did it um it was bumpy at first but she told me after that she was so grateful of having to do it she actually thought of firing me or just like quitting the whole program but then she thought she was so deep in it and she said she's so glad she didn't do that and didn't listen to to her inner um to that self-sabotaging um, mentality she had inside of her um and so i find it very that's interesting very, that's very interesting because what you what you helped her do was by um finding the root cause of what was um holding her back we call that the poverty paradigm right so whatever you learned as a child from age one to seven whatever it was in your socioeconomic uh, environment or anything that was going on in your life that set a program in your subconscious mind. So however much you want to progress or whatever, um, techniques you're using with your conscious mind in your external life, in your everyday life is not going to manifest itself the way you want, unless you change that old paradigm. You go to the root cause of the trauma and you do something to, you learn techniques or you do something that is going to help change that old pattern, which is exhibiting a certain behavior, right? There so you go. That's, yeah. So that's Precisely. really, really amazing. And 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 the, the, the interesting thing and, and why I asked you how you reacted and dealt with that opportunity is because um, then parallel to that, um, I also got into financial planning. And as a financial planner, I, I get to really intimately speak to people on their cash flow level. And what I realized was, I because I noticed there, there were people coming to me, they were earning um, five to six, um, some, some close to seven figures, right? But right. at the end of the month <laughs> or in the whole, they weren't capable of really building up wealth. It's like really insane. And then I had these people who were, you know, frontline people, frontline workers who maybe had like 50 bucks left a month, all right? And they, they, you know, stoastically built up saving and and really went through the suggestions and, and the financial planning tactics and strategies that I gave them. 
And after a while, I thought like, you know, why do these people who earn so much money still manage to be broke at the end of the day? Right. Like, right. like what, what, what is, is, is wrong there? And, and after a while, and, and I myself as well, I, I love reading. And, and most of the books you just spoke about, I, I know them as well, especially Napoleon Hill, a very inspirational guy. And I think there's more to his story than he actually lets loose in his book, you know, just flying by it. Um, but basically, I realized, and, and putting together my experience, I just told you from which I created what was the what I call the calm method. But the only reason I did create it was, see, it's all these three parts, like you said as well, they lead together, and then and then this this synergy that happens. I was in a mastermind. Um, it, it was a branding mastermind, and the same thing happened. One of the people in there the 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 mentor said all right so this is the game plan what's going to happen next and the whole focus of that mastermind is to become masterful at create using video to get your message out there using video to tell people what you're about what you what you've created and you know educate about the opportunity in like two minutes or one minute so right. she suddenly became really awkward and pulled herself back and i think even the mentor wasn't really aware of it in that moment and so but because it reminded me of the lady i just spoke to you about in the business in, in my business builder i asked her is could it be that you have an issue with actually like recording and getting on the camera and she hesitantly reluctantly said yeah offered her my time and we got on a call and we did the same. And I actually, I, I never wanted to use that. It wasn't meant to be used in any way. It was really, I thought, I figured like, you know, if I want to get- It was a tool my, for her. Through my business coaching. Yeah, I need to do something to kind of like bust those, those blocks <laughs> they have. So I would always use it for those people. And in this case, I did it with her. And wow, like the most beautiful, like I call it beautiful because it feels like someone is painting their past and it's like this beautiful picture that unfolds. Right. Or, or repainting their past, right? Repainting. There you go. Yes. Yeah. And, and she found out, like, it turned out that she, you know, she was a biker, motorbike, and it turned out that she was doing that because... And this is stuff she wasn't really aware of, but through the process um, of calm, it turned out that she was, you know, molested as a child on a motorbike. Her parents didn't know about. Wow! It. Wow! And but later, as a grown up, she she's like a full blown biker. She loves it. She lives in in, in, <laughs> in Singapore, and I think that for her, it's like you know what's the biker symbol is like the 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 ultra don't mess with me symbol right <laughs> like like when you're right. on a motorbike no one's gonna ever mess with you and at the same time well that she well she put on that personality as a form of defense because of what had happened to her right you know, you know? that's so, precisely yeah, the point. absolutely and 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 we broke all of these down and she got it through so what i'm trying to get at here is that you set the stage and, and you have this great meeting right now, but take me, you said that you're an inventor. Well, please, let me take you to please, my, please. let me take you to my childhood. Right? Yeah, but, so, but, but before my, we go to your childhood, right. Take me to the day you decided to be an inventor. Well, that's where I have to get to. So I grew up in an Italian Puerto Rican household. My father was born in Puerto Rico and migrated to the U.S. when he was a child. He was uh, the youngest of 13 children of Puerto Rican immigrants. My mother uh, was from second generation Italian family, the fifth of eight children. Both families grew up in the projects of Hoboken, New Jersey in the 60s and 70s. During and it was during a time of rach, racial upheaval and a gas shortage, you know, the scandal of the Nixon administration, which instigated the Iran-Contra. Resources were scarce, but uh, there was also the idea of the American dream. Right. So my father, despite his financial and racial what he called handicaps, still believed in an America 
where if you worked hard and had a dream, you could elevate your status and break free of generational poverty. So what he did, um, you know, he, uh, my earliest perception of money as a child, my father owned and operated a local arcade candy store. And my mother worked two jobs to help my father facilitate his dream of owning a business, you know, as a Puerto Rican immigrant. So I was exposed, you know, at a young age to my father's entrepreneurial spirit and my mother's strong work ethic. So, you know, for two people coming from the projects, that was a huge accomplishment. So that was my earliest um, exposure to, um, to money and what, you know, you could achieve, you know, coming from that background. So my father was always very entrepreneurial and uh, he instilled that in me and my mother had this really strong work ethic. So, you know, I was very fortunate um, growing up. So I think, you know, I get a lot of that from my father and I get my strong work ethic from my mother. So when, you know, the reason I gave you all that background about Kundalini Awakening and all these things is I had a strong foundation. I went to Catholic school, right? So I learned at an early age um, about a higher being, something that was outside of myself that, you know, that made every individual, um, you know, a divine person. But it also taught me at a young age to be of service to others. So my mother was a huge humanitarian. Um, She would every... Thanksgiving and Christmas, she would make 200 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And on Christmas and Thanksgiving, we'd go out under the bridges, you know, like by the tunnel and we'd hand out all these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to the homeless. Like, so I was also exposed to always being of service and having this big responsibility that if something really good happens to you, you have to be of service to humanity. So as you, the more, the more money you have, see, to me, money is the positive energy of exchange, right? So I was always kind of taught that. And I was always taught to, you know, have the responsibility of being in service to others and to always, you know, if I have something and I'm so fortunate to be blessed with, you know, uh, you know, things that, you know, can make my life easier to share, share it with others. So, um, you know, so I've always been involved in humanitarian works. I was uh, always um, involved in some some type of volunteerism and activism and things like that. So that's always been something that was really strong. At eight years old, I had my first job. You know, I was a busser at this little waffle house in Seaside Heights called Sotol's. And I would make $25 a day for six hours a week. I mean, people would call that child labor now, but it really taught me at a young age, you know, the value of money and uh, to, you know, work hard and to enjoy the things that I want to enjoy in life. And so, you know, all my friends who were eight years old, they didn't have a job, but I would share it with them. I would take them on the boardwalk and we'd go play, you know, the little games and we'd go on the rides and, you know, like, so I always had that, you know, and my father, when I was younger, he owned a candy store. So, you know, like I would get a hundred Swedish fish for a dollar because they were a penny a piece back then. And I would go to school and I'd sell them for three cents a piece. So I would, I was always thinking about how, you know, if I had something that I could, turn it into a profit. And then I would go and I would, you know, take my friends out for an ice cream or, you know, do something like that. And there's a funny story. When I was uh, seven years old, my babysitter downstairs, because my mom worked two jobs and my dad had the store. So we had a babysitter, we called her nanny and she lived downstairs. And she would always tell my mom these funny stories that we had a little alley on the side of our, our uh, apartment building and there was a homeless guy that would live there. And I would always invite him up for coffee and cake. <laughs> and like, my <laughs> nanny would uh, get tell my mom these stories that I was inviting all these homeless strangers up to come eat and have coffee. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think later on, like um, I always knew that there was something... I always had this calling, right? So I always knew that, 
one day I would, I would be blessed with some type of wealth that I would have to share with the world. I always had that belief and that understanding inside of myself. I always believed in um, believing in something and manifesting my life. And, and that, that was from a young age. Like I've always had that belief system. And I think it was because my, because of my father and my mother and the values that I learned as a child, you know? So that's where, where the opportunity came up and I felt that I had manifested it. I felt that it was part of my journey and my destiny that was leading me to, um, the responsibility to, you know, do something to mm-hmm. help make a positive change in the world. You know, is, is that what also led you? Because you said you're also an entrepreneur and an inventor. Um, tell me right. a little bit about that. Let's let's try and build a bridge to to that okay. part of you because I think it's a strong, like a strong motive force in your life. That entrepreneurial right. side of yours. Yeah, I think because of you know, even when I was, I remember being. Uh, 12 years old and my father, um, enrolled me in this class and it was, you know, I'm 47. So back then this was about 35 years ago. Right. And computers were uh, not computers, but like, um, technology was a new thing. So he he enrolled me in this class where I learned how to build an AM FM radio and a small black and white TV. Right. So I got into, um, just learning how things worked. And I learned about positive and negative energy. And just, I was really interested in, in building something that would be of service somehow to create this wealth that I wanted to achieve in order to help, you know, uh, do the things I wanted to do in my, my philanthropic endeavors, you know? So my, my driving force was always to create wealth so that I could be of service. So that was always my driving force, even as a young child. So that's what led me to becoming an inventor. I was always thinking of ideas on what, what, what could I invent that could be of value to someone that somebody would want so that I can create this wealth so that I can, you know, pursue what what I was really passionate about was, you know, making a change in the world and, and being of service. So I would, because of my humanitarian, um, my humanitarian and volunteerism activities, I was invited to the first annual Millennium Development Goals Awards at the United Nations, right? So I heard Desmond Tucci speak, and it was so profound to me. He was talking about something called Ubuntu, right? And he was had saying this speech, and he looked at, at all of us that were in, in the room, and he said, God is up there right now, and he is crying at all of the destruction and um, the bad things that are going on in the world. But then he looks down at all of you in this room and a smile comes on his face. And, you know, you, he said it to the whole room. He's like, it's a boon to there, which means that there is a light in you that lights the light in other people, you know, and that, that creates this, this, energy and that can create change in the world. And it was such a profound moment for me. And that really like cemented in my mind that I did have this calling and it, it really was something that was, that was going to happen. It was going to manifest. So there was always these little things throughout. And I think it was really being of service that kept reinforcing to me, you know, that I did have a purpose in this world, that I was going to do something that I, every every dream that was implanted in my heart was there from God to do these things to help, you know, in some way. So the annual, the first annual millennium development goals uh, are about these sustainable goals throughout the world. So one is poverty, um, maternal health, HIV, AIDS, um, environment sustainability. And so that um, propelled me to uh, really start thinking of trying to create, you know, children's products, because I always felt like if I can plant a seed in a child's mind, that would manifest itself into growing an individual into someone that would want to create change, you know, in future generations. So I started 
working on these children's books and, and they're all geared towards the millennium development gold. So that's my biggest passion. So, you know, I kept thinking of different products. So the product that I'm working on now, and this is the one that caught Damon John's attention was I can talk about it a little bit now because I do have IP protection. It's a personal hygiene product that that's for children, but it's all natural. It's made of Kenneth, um, which is a plant-based product. It's kind of like hemp, but without the connotation of hemp. I know it's becoming more mainstream now, hemp and everything, but it's an all natural surfactant. So I was always um, thinking about, you know, being an influencer of some kind, uh, you know, for children. So that's kind of got me to where most of my products are children's products because I feel like it goes hand in hand with um, what I'm trying to create as far as my children's book series. It's, you know, I love my very first book and you know which it's about you know it's called the the adventures of the rumble butts and the story of the three e's right so it's about the elephants the elements and the environment so i really love um i really love elephants i think they are the cedars of the earth, right? So they walk these fat, they're, they're so amazing to me because they're so matriarchal and they, you know, they are really about taking care of each other and they travel these long distances, thousands of miles and they eat these, they eat the tops of trees. And as they walk along, they, they blow out these seeds into the earth and that's what plant, you know, seeds the earth. And that's how we have like forestation and all these kind of things. So that I, I just, keep getting these amazing ideas and how I keep getting them is through meditation and becoming still. And I think that's a really important uh, part. If you're trying to manifest something in your life, you really have to get a clear vision in your mind, right? And you have to utilize these techniques and you have to see yourself already what you want to achieve in life. You have to see yourself wealthy. You have to see yourself public speaking, you have to see yourself in your mind and you really have to get a good emotion about it. So you have to really feel that it's already happened. And then that's kind of going towards, you know, uh, the theory of uh, quantum physics and the laws of attraction, things like that. Let, so. let me hold, let me pull you back before you go into, into that. I want to circle around um, a, a few of, of the other um, concepts that you spoke about uh, and, and just get it together. So Basically, you you actually grew up in a pretty interesting way, and it seems like you had a very close bond to your parents, and you acknowledged the influence that they had on you in terms of you. You said your father, um, you know, he had this strong entrepreneurial power, and your your mother she had this strong work ethics. And at the same time, your educational environment, you went to a Catholic school. So you were fortunate to get to be raised within an environment where you were taught that we are more than the parts of our body, so to speak. Right. And, and then fast forward, um, you kind of, as well, the sparks of your mother's um, compassion towards other people seems to have also created a seed in, inside you. And um, obviously you remodeled it uh, by inviting um, all these these homeless people into your <laughs> home and playing and having tea, tea time with them, and, which is a beautiful thing to do. And then your father basically says, you know what? Um, and that's a great thing for a dad to do because he could have he could have put you in different stuff like you know into writing school or you know take care of a pony or something, but he put you <laughs> of all things right into a class where like I mean in your back in the day what you were learning was as if as if you put it put a kid into some quantum physics class. I mean, like building a radio and television, you know, that was the technology. He still has said, them. He still know? has them. He's so proud of it. Right. That was, that was like the technology, you know, like as if I sent my son to CERN, like I'm going to enroll you into a CERN program. 
and, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, and it looks like you really, you, you, you got these interesting seeds because um, I'm sure that gave you interesting um, things. And then you had this experience where you saw this guy, Desmond Tutu, South African. I think he was a bishop back then. He's a cardinal. Um, yeah, he was a bishop. Cardinal, yeah. yeah. And he was speaking about something that seemed to to really, really touch you inside. And then fast forward to today, you're actually really trying to trying to really like you call it manifest that desire to actually help these uh, like children, especially. And now my question is my favorite movie used when I grew up, you know, the VHS cassettes was Superman. I still remember watching it like that was my the first time thinking about otherworldly life you know mm. was was watching like superman like this guy who came from another planet grew up on earth and but at the same time superman would not have been the hero he was to me if he didn't have some sort of kryptonite like as strong as he is, you know, when kryptonite comes his way, like those were the moments where I'd be like, whoa, how does this guy endure it? Like, why doesn't he just give up already? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, like, and that's what really fascinated me. So my question to you is, you know, in all of this, it sounds really good and, and the principles and all that were guiding you. But what was your kryptonite? Everybody has kryptonite. What was oh, your kryptonite? I feel like, uh, so to me, I think my kryptonite is my family. So some people uh, would say that that would be um, their greatest uh, in enforcing force but you know i talk about all the good stuff of my child but there but there was also bad stuff you know so um bad stuff as far as um my parents you know they got divorced when i was 10 years old and uh that was really hard on my sister and myself my i have a sister who's 10 uh 10 months older than i was and i have a brother that's 10 years younger so he was just born and uh my parents, for all that they, um, for all that the, the good they instilled in me, they also were, had a very um, conflicted relationship, right? Because my mom worked two jobs. My dad was at the arcade all day long. They, they didn't see very much of each other. Um, so they grew apart. And so when they got divorced, that was very hard on me. But I was also taught that family is very important. So, you know, and family is everything. So my sister uh, took it very hard, um, their divorce and their separation. And she, um, you know, had a very hard time with it emotionally, mentally. And so throughout the years, she's been, uh, it's, it's still very psychologically damaging to her. So uh, she's been in and out of treatment facilities and substance abuse uh, places. And so it always feels like every time I'm about to achieve something, something happens with her where I have to be emotionally engaged and it's, it, it throws me off, you know? So I, I've learned to over the years, um, you know, try to build up a firewall about it. But it's still because my sister and I are so close when she's suffering, I'm suffering. Right. Because, you know, we are so close. So I think that that's and, and my brother also as well has also, you know, had his own challenges. So, you know, their their, uh, you know, their challenges affect me because, you know, I am so close to them and it always seems like right as I'm on the precipice of success, something happens where I have to stop what I'm doing and invest my time and my energy into, you know, making sure that they're okay. So I guess that would be my kryptonite to me would be my, uh, 
my trying to be focused in what I'm trying to achieve in my life, regardless of the emotional turmoil my family situation causes me. So, you know, that's, so that's that really, would be my- that's, that's really interesting. And, um, you know, I'm, as I said just this morning, like I'm glad um, to have you on the call because I remember us having a conversation <laughs> before, yes. before the call, right? Of course. And, and you, you, you told me something in, in there yeah. and I was like, okay, is it, is it even going to happen? But I told myself, you know what? Um, just tell her what you feel you need to tell her and that it's okay. And then you wrote back. So please tell me what 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 happened in that time in between. Because this is like basically so, Jesus going off with 12 years and coming back with 32 <laughs> years. And it's like, you know, she's on the great show. But you tell us what happened in between. <laughs> like, So, you know, also, you know, I told you, you know, my sister had a situation uh, two days ago. And uh, so, you know, you when I had told you that I might not make it on the show and you responded um, with this, this quote, right? That there's never a right time except the one we make. And that was very profound to me. So I started going through, you know, these, there's these really, uh, there's these three people in my life and I, I wrote them to you that have been really impactful in my life. And I think it encapsulates my, my desire and my personality to a T, right? St. Francis of Assisi and, Assisi and his compassion for everything. And then, you know, Theodore Roosevelt, who I love, and it's really, you know, his speech I, I can recite it verbatim. Everything I sent to you is like ingrained into my mind and into my heart. And I just started really thinking about, you know, how far I've come and what I have achieved from where I was, you know, because as my parents split up, my family broke apart and, you know, my mother struggled financially for a long time. So even though I had the basic foundation of entrepreneurism and good work ethic, after, you know, my parents split up, all I saw was struggle, right? So my mom always struggling and to work ends me to try to raise three children on her own as a single parent. And so I've come really, really far from where I was. And, and it's a testament, I think, to uh, those values that were instilled in me, but it took me a long time to get here took me a long time to work through all of those, that emotional baggage that I had accumulated from 10 until, till 35, you know, basically, you know, to kind of work through that and to, you know, achieve what I had. And, you know, so I said, and this time, am I going to allow this opportunity to slip me by to, am I going to overcome this kryptonite as you call it? And to really embrace, you know, you know, being a superhero <laughs> and modeling myself after the, uh, the the person that I I envision myself to be, you know, and who I'm becoming. So it was your words were very impactful for me in that moment, and it made me reflect on: Am I going to let this, you know, opportunity slip me by, and and why? why should I, I'm a strong person. I've, I've really come so far and I'm really building something really amazing here. You know, I had this opportunity after Jamin John to really find out my value. Right. So I started, you know, putting out my resume, you know, because I knew I was worth more than what I was making already. So I needed to try to make this, this big salary leap because I wasn't making enough just to, to sustain my everyday living without living paycheck to paycheck. And I needed, I needed to grow something in order to achieve my goals. Right. So, um, that was, so I started putting out my resume and, and I started envisioning, you know, myself, you know, starting to 
act like a millionaire and to start modeling myself after millionaires. And what happened was I got this opportunity where I now work for a billionaire. I'm constantly surrounded by people in my environment that are creating generational wealth. Beautiful. That that's, that's, that's really fantastic. So, um, you know, and, and basically that's that for me, that completes the cipher of this show that I wanted to actually to, to, to create, you know, um, it's, it's really amazing because a lot of, a lot of people out there believe that achievement is just a luck thing, not luck in terms of having some kind of virtue to give and in exchange to get, but more like a, um, in terms of, well, statistically, I just fell out of the range of being able to make it. But listening to, to your story today, it becomes very obvious that you went through a very significant process. You, there, was, there was a time where you, your past really created, it seeded things in you. And I'm certain that it it seeded these beautiful things that made you want to become someone who wants to contribute to sustaining the world and keeping it whole. As you said, like you basically living out Ubuntu. And at the same time, however, there was these, let's call them kryptonite seeds in you. And every time you wanted to make the next break, it would be like, you know, in the Michael Jackson thriller movie when these hands come out of the ground, right? And, and grab your, 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 your leg. And it seems like the past then becomes a shackle when we want to go into the future. But it seems like at the same time, all of this just super amplified your determination. And you became, as you said, an inventor. And it's like the spark inside of your imagination that created these beautiful ideas and stories were like, you were basically letting like the like life just flow through you and you put it on the paper and you, you manifested it into products, but you kind of tuned into to, to that place where you want to be and by visualizing it, you know, you kind of really allowed it to not visualize it, not just visualize it, but what became very evident in the stuff you speak about is that you have a very strong faith. Like you don't just believe in in what you're capable of in terms, because that could be egocentric, who knows, but you actually believe in your purpose. And I think that's something way more valuable than just believing in one's own skills. Like you, it feels when I speak to you, like you're driven and pulled by this, by this purpose, this piece of the puzzle of a puzzle that's bigger than life and bigger than all of us together. And that's really, really beautiful. And then here you are talking about your humble beginnings and backgrounds and how you one day get this really amazing opportunity. Like it's basically in, in, in movies, if it's a quest, there's always the battle. Like yeah, all the, the little, all journey, the little right? story, yeah, all the little pieces the and, 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 and <laughs> challenges, they add up to this one place where you have to fight your 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 end your end villain and you it in your case you took all your little pieces and journeys and it seemed like you were you were waiting for it in a way and you weren't surprised by it absolutely you had overcome your fight and flight system and you just you just charged you did the opposite of what people do is run away from it and you charge towards it and then you hand him basically this this piece this piece of paper with a pitch on it and this is what I, I like to tell people oftentimes, you know, a pitch is not just some stereotypical, um, I do X for Y with the goal of achieving Z. But in your case, if you really, if you really think about what you put on that paper, you put your entire life and story onto that paper. 
you put Ubuntu onto that paper. Yes. There's no yes. other way, way of saying it. Yes. And that yes. and that's why when that guy when he read it, he wasn't just reading some elevator pitch. Some this is the formula. No, he he was reading Ubuntu, and it's. Yes. I'm just assuming here, but I can imagine if somebody you know reads Ubuntu on a paper, it just has to create Ubuntu in them. And then, here, and then there you go. And, and you were in a program and, and you didn't even stop at that. And today, and this is where I said the, the cipher closes itself. You're working for a billionaire. I mean, yes. one cool thing in life is to become a millionaire. But I can imagine the other <laughs> awesome thing is to work for a billionaire. Like how it's awesome amazing. is that, right? How awesome is that, yeah. Joanne, right? It really is. And not wait, not only is he a billionaire, he is someone that has a strong moral compass to do good things and to make positive change in the world. So like, I feel like I manifested someone that I can model myself after, right? Someone that is a great role model. Like he's super brilliant. He really wants to do, he's real. not that he wants to do something, he is doing something that is, you know, going to change the face of the world with what he's doing without getting too much into, you know, who he is and what he does, because, you know, I'm, I am under NDA. I cannot disclose that information, but he is such an inspiration, you know, because he doesn't only do that. He's also involved in philanthropic endeavors. And so he, he's someone that it, I'm so blessed and fortunate um, to have, you know, I say manifested, but I really think it's attracted. I attracted someone that is, has, is like me, like attracts like, right. So I, I have to tell this other story. So I've always been fascinated by science. So when I was 11 years old, I, I, my father, again, put me into <laughs> this science fair where I created this, um, science project that was, you know, I learned about positive and negative energy, even at such a young age. So I created this, this, um, this tub, right. Of water that had a battery on it. And it, it, it sent up what it basically was, was I was trying to create lightning in this little, this little tub of water that would create an energy so strong so I had this little paper boat or this little uh, like wooden boat, right? And attached to it was a wire, a metal. It was an old hanger, right? And it had a little hook on it. And on the, it was a square little container that I created like an ocean. And I put a little propeller in there that could make waves, right? And I had these two these two positive and negative negative poles that would go up in a wire across. And as I would start this propeller and as i would turn on this little engine this little boat would start going on these little waves and this little hook as it would come and it would connect with this wire across it would send a charge right down into this little boat which would catch my sail on fire so i basically created electricity in this little tiny like boat and i won the science fair so like i've always been fascinated with positive and negative buttons are force called protons and electrons and what it could do with energy. And so I always believe that everyone is made up of energy, positive and negative buttons of force. The universe, the universe is propelled by this energy. So we have this energy. Everything is either love or fear, right? So everything that's positive is all the good feelings in yourself, love, success, joy, prosperity, and everything that's negative is all of those negative emotions and everything vibrates and oscillates at these forms of energy. So whatever you're emitting, you are a battery, right? So if you're emitting this positive energy and you're visualizing these things, you are going to attract you just like a battery, circumstances and people that are like you. So I think that, you know, through this journey, you know, as I was staying in my faith and Matt and, and learning these uh, visualization techniques and really affirming, you know, I love this prosperity feature. His name is Reverend Ike. <laughs> He's passed away now, but everything about him, like he always talked about how you can 
you know, manifest good things in your life by always having this positive mindset about money. So I think I attracted who I want to become into my life by the using these forms of quantum, you know, quantum mechanics and quantum physics and the laws of attraction. Great, Joanne. Let's close it at that point. And I invite everybody to just try it out because there's one thing I realized is that um, you can synthesize any idea in your mind and, and think about how it could be. But the only real time you know how it is, is when you actually do it. And I believe in the concept of taking incomplete steps. So yes, don't be frozen by your fear. If you have an opportunity and it's not, and it's, it's presented itself to you, do not listen to that ticker tape in your brain. That's telling you that you can't have it or you can't achieve it and you cannot do it. Don't listen to it. That is always going to be there. That is always going to be this challenge for some people because up until the point of Damon John, of course, before that, it took me years of getting rid of that voice, you know, took me years of getting rid of, you know, you know, other naysayers in the, you know, that told me that I couldn't do it or I couldn't achieve it or I couldn't be it, you know, because there are going to be people out there that are going to, you know, not be on the same or not have the same belief system in you have the faith that you can achieve it have the desire and the will to see it through and you can literally have anything you want and we're going to close by quoting burton braley right in the will to and the will to win so mm-hmm. if you want if you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for it work day and night for it give up your time and your peace and your sleep for it if only desire of it makes you quite mad enough never to tire of it if you hold all things useless and tawdry for it and all that you do is you scheme and you dream about it if you sweat for it fret for it Give up your terror of God or man for it. If you simply go after that thing that you want with all of your capacity and stern sagacity, if dogged and besiege, dogged and grim, you besiege and beset it, you will surely get it. Beautiful. And that's a great closing. And thank you so much for coming on to Financial Genes Radio, Joanne. You are such an enrichment to, to, to this episode. And I believe to anyone who will have the privilege, I would say, to listen to this episode. And to ensure you have that privilege continuously, don't forget to just hit that subscribe button. Not for me, but for your sake, because it's people like Joanne who validate that the world is a place that's beautiful, that's magical, and where stuff happens not to you, but because of you. And with that said, um, thanks for listening to Financial Genes Radio. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Herman. You're amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. Hit that subscribe button. (laughs) Okay. Bye. We'll talk soon. Bye.